The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello everyone and welcome to Filato's Fantasy Corner here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nicholas Filato, and today we're going to be doing things a bit differently. Instead of me highlighting random sleepers, and players that have a possibility of going off in advantageous matchups, I'm going to be going through my rankings that I formulate based on upcoming matchup, statistics, X's and O's, usage, target share, red zone work, you name it. All the high leverage statistics that are valuable in fantasy football. The statistics that I used to research while interning for Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life app. Go download it. It's pretty great stuff, especially if you want alerts on what's going on in practice. They'll send them right to your phone. It's really convenient. Highly encourage it. But in the article that I release on Big Blue View, I rank the top 32 quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, while also ranking the top five kickers and defenses to stream that are mostly available in the majority of your guys' fantasy leagues on the free agent wire. And I wanted to come up with some clever name for these rankings, like 32 of 32, or some kind of maybe even a play on words, but after mulling it over, man... Uh, It didn't really make much sense to me, so maybe some of you fine, much smarter individuals can think of a better name than that attempt at creativity by me, but it's whatever. Anywho, some of these players I'll fly through, but I want to acknowledge the players that I feel are in strong matchups, especially the players that go against the consensus of the fantasy football community. So I'll try not to bloviate too much, I'm sure I'll pontificate a little bit, but if I'm wrong, please excoriate me and uh, do you guys thing, all right? So uh, let's dive into some quarterbacks. How about that, all right? So first off, we have Lamar Jackson. Number one quarterback goes up against Kansas City, has one of the higher over-unders on the week. It's 53 and a half. That's the third highest behind the Cowboys and Seahawks game and the Lion and Cardinal game. Expect a lot of points in those affairs. So I have Lamar Jackson, then Russell Wilson against Dallas. Again, first highest scoring game. Then Kyler Murray. Now, Kyler Murray and... If you guys are new to fantasy football, target quarterbacks, even in one quarterback leagues, I would not spend high on these guys, but if you're going to target any type of quarterback, target quarterbacks who run because rushing is so valuable in fantasy football. It's kind of like a cheat code when it comes to quarterbacks because quarterbacks are going to do what they do through the air. They're going to throw passing touchdowns. They're going to get you all the quarterback stats that they're expected to get. But when you incorporate running, if they rush for 40 yards in a game, that's an extra touchdown pass right there. And then at the goal line, they're very important. And when you think about Cam Newton right now, it's one of those steals of the draft. He has four rushing touchdowns already. Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they have their rushing attack in the red zone is Cam Newton. They gave the ball once to Sonny Michelle in week one and he ended up scoring. But Cam Newton's it. He runs the football. 
Kyler Murray had two rushing touchdowns last week, runs the football. They'll put it on their shoulders. It's just a totally different way to accrue fantasy points, and it always works out, man. That's why you look at this, these lists right here, and a lot of these are good matchups. They're all mobile guys. It goes Lamar Jackson, one. Russell Wilson, two, versus Dallas. Kyler Murray, three, versus Detroit. Dak Prescott at Seattle. Cam Newton versus Las Vegas. And then Josh Allen versus the Rams. And then at seven, I had Pat Mahomes at Baltimore. I think Pat Mahomes is a fine start. I wouldn't panic. You probably drafted him either first or second when it comes to quarterbacks at the quarterback position in your league. So I'll play him at Baltimore. More than likely, do not have better options unless you have some sort of proclivity to draft a lot of quarterbacks and you got Cam Newton a little bit later or maybe even Josh Allen. But Patrick Mahomes, it's going to be rough in Baltimore, but I'm still expecting him to do Patrick Mahomes type of things. Then 8, 9, 10, I have Aaron Rodgers at New Orleans, Matt Ryan versus Chicago, and Ben Roethlisberger versus Houston. So the Falcons are going to suck on defense. I know they have a defensive head coach in Dan Quinn, and that's all well and good. But they can't stop a nosebleed. They can't stop anything right now, and that's going to force Matt Ryan to just continue to throw the football. When you monitor these injuries, too, Julio Jones didn't practice on Thursday. His hamstring thing might be a bigger deal than we originally expected. And that's not going to be great for the Falcons, but that is great for Russell Gage. That is good for Hayden Hurst and some of these other pass-catching weapons. But you have to monitor it because Julio Jones can get a limited work on Friday and then just be available for Sunday. He's that type of player. It's happened with him before in the past. So Matt Ryan still squeaks into the top 10, but I would ding him down a little bit if Julio does not play in this game, which isn't a foregone conclusion as of right now. As for Aaron Rodgers, who is at 8, he has to go to New Orleans. Aaron Rodgers have, has proven in the past, I guess you could say, to struggle when he is on the road. He definitely did last year with Matt LaFleur. Now against Minnesota in week one. Didn't bother him whatsoever. But now he has to go to New Orleans. Typically a very tough place to play. It's another primetime game for the Saints, a team that was just embarrassed by the Raiders. Now the Saints are home. So I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have to throw the football here. But again, this is also contingent on Devontae Adams' health. So Devontae Adams who left last week's game with an injury. And according to Matt LaFleur, according to Devontae Adams, he could have came back in and played. But he did not practice on Thursday either. Now, it's a Sunday night game, but he also did not practice. So you're going to have to monitor this on Friday and Saturday to see if he's going to play. And I would ding him down if there is no Adams. But with Rodgers going down the list, I would move MBS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling up for sure if someone like Devontae Adams misses. But New Orleans defense is typically good. It was not on Sunday night football, though, or Monday night football, I should say. And then after Ben Roethlisberger, who I also like in his matchup, I have Gardner Minshew. And by the time you guys are listening to this, we'll know what happened with Gardner Minshew, but I have him at 11. After him, 12, 13, and 14 is Matthew Stafford at Arizona, Deshaun Watson at Pittsburgh, and then Carson Wentz versus Cincinnati. I have no idea what's going on with Carson Wentz right now. He just does not have his crap together. It just seems very unnatural. He's just very, very inaccurate. and He's missing throws. I get that the offensive line is beat up. I get that the team has been struggling as a whole, but he's also not carrying his weight, and he's missing a lot of throws. But in this matchup against Cincinnati, Team Baker Mayfield just looked really good against, although he had that rushing attack. I believe that Carson Wentz is going to have to rely heavily on Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. And then I also feel, with Jalen Rager out, Deshaun Jackson, who we'll get to a little bit later, is somebody who is going to capitalize on the fact that he's been heavily targeted, because he hasn't yet. 
I think in this game he will. I believe in week one he had eight targets, and week two he had nine targets. And it was a modest fantasy output. But I expect against Cincinnati at home, I think Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson could possibly hit Pater. So I'm a little tentative to start Carson Wentz. I really am. Especially when guys like Gardner Minshew are on the free agent wire. But I have him at 14 here. But I definitely tread lightly with it just because of the struggles that I have been seeing. But then after Wentz, I have Ryan Tannehill at Minnesota. He's been really efficient, as he always is. Derrick Henry has yet to have a rushing touchdown on the ground. I do believe that's going to change this week at Minnesota. Minnesota is possibly the easiest defense to pass on and the easiest defense to run on. They are inept at the moment, and they're incredibly injured, and they just lost Anthony Barr, who's on the IR. And Anthony Barr is one of their best defensive players. There was so much turnover with the Minnesota team on both sides of the football in the offseason that people kind of overlooked that Minnesota could be this huge liability as a defense. And through the first two weeks against Green Bay, and then against the Colts and Phillip Rivers, even though he's geriatric, it didn't matter. They couldn't stop anybody. So Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, I love this week. And then 16, Joe Burrow at Philadelphia. <laughs> Joe Burrow is a real thing. He proved it on Thursday Night Football against a Browns team, so he has to continue to prove himself. But I think Joe Burrow is going to rely on tight end Drew Sample, who is a lesser-known individual who came into the game and was targeted double-digit times after coming in for C.J. Huzama, who caught a touchdown earlier in the game, but then suffered an injury. So he's somebody to pay attention to in deeper leagues. If you need a tight end, pick up Drew Sample because his offense, it's going to run through the receivers. They're going to try to rush the football. But Joe Burrow loves throwing in the middle of the field. He's going to love throwing to Tyler Boyd. He's going to love throwing to Drew Sample. So pay attention to it. After that, I have Phillip Rivers versus the Jets, Mitchell Trubisky at Atlanta, and then Tom Brady at Denver. And that's my top 19. So Phillip Rivers against the Jets, they're going to run the football, and the Jets were terrible. Their linebackers, that is, were terrible at containing uh, Raheem Mostert and Jarek McKinnon last week. So I expect Jonathan Taylor to have a huge game. Phillip Rivers is somewhat washed, but I do think there's going to still be a lot of dump-offs, and he's somebody that in Superflex League you can think about starting. I'm not going to lie. He's on my free agent wire in a Superflex League that I'm in, and I'm not thinking about starting him as of right now, but that's also because I have Lamar Jackson. Gardner Minshew, and a couple of these other quarterbacks that I have ranked a little bit higher. Mitchell Trubisky at Atlanta. Atlanta can't stop anything right now. They can't. And I know Trubisky, you have to take a lot of things into account when you consider Mitchell Trubisky because he's Mitchell Trubisky. He will have really bad plays. He'll miss some throws. He'll be inaccurate, but he's still an athletic quarterback who's going up against a Civ defense at the moment. So I would start, actually probably... Looking at this, I probably rank Mitchell Trubisky over Phillip Rivers, to be honest. So I like Mitch. I would rather start Mitch than Phillip Rivers to be, to be frank. I think Mitch has higher upside. Phillip might be a little bit safer, but I mean, Atlanta's defense is so bad that I think it would be hard for Mitch to only score like 12 points like he ended up doing last week, even though he could have had a lot more if Anthony Miller caught that touchdown pass. And if James Bradbury wasn't just one of the best cornerbacks in the league, which I'm very excited about as a Giant fan to see James Bradbury do that well. And then at 20, I have Drew Brees against Green Bay. I think Drew Brees is somewhat washed, but I think he's going to just rely a lot on Alvin Kamara. I think they're going to try to go back to dominating the middle of the field with Jared Cook lining up their offensive formations and more spread looks to kind of open up the middle of the field and allow Drew to kind of try to pick apart the intermediate parts of the field of the Green Bay Packers defense. Okay, 
So to round it out, though, just to give all 32 names, 21, I have Daniel Jones versus San Francisco. 22, Ryan Fitzpatrick at Jacksonville. 23, Justin Herbert at or versus Carolina. Baker Mayfield versus Washington, 24. Derek Carr at New England, 25. 26, Kirk Cousins versus Tennessee, 27. Jared Goff at Buffalo, 28. Teddy Bridgewater at the Chargers, 29. Jeff Driscoll versus Tampa Bay, 30. Sam Darnold at Indianapolis, 31. Nick Mullins at New York Giants, and 32. Dwayne Haskins at the Cleveland Browns. So let's move on to running backs. My number one running back on the week is Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara has done silly things right now as a running back, and since Drew Brees doesn't have Michael Thomas, he relies so much on Kamara, who has 16 targets on the season so far, catching 14 of them for 146 yards. Not to mention the fact that he's being obviously used as the primary running back. Latavius Murray doesn't look great. I guess you could say, but Kamara, he got nine red zone carries already, five of them inside the five-yard line. He's going to get all of these opportunities. He is the main guy. The offense runs through him, and honestly, with the two injuries to Barkley and McCaffrey, if you're drafting right now, Alvin Kamara could easily be the number one overall pick. He's just a a stud right now. He seems healthy. Let's hope it stays that way. So you're starting him. I don't really have to give any more analysis on that. Two is Derrick Henry at Minnesota. Again, I think he's going to find pay dirt this week. It's been uh, two games without it. That's very odd. In Minnesota, they losing Linville Joseph and having the tackle, Brandon Williams, who they signed in the offseason, not participate in the season because of COVID has really hurt the middle of that defense, plus the injury to Anthony Barr is not going to go over well. So that's two is going to be Derrick Henry. Three, Ezekiel Elliott at Seattle. Four, Miles Sanders versus Cincinnati. 5, Jonathan Taylor versus New York Jets. 6, Dalvin Cook versus Tennessee. And then 7, Austin Eckler versus Carolina. Now here, I have 8, James Conner versus Houston. We all heard the Benny Snell thing, right? We all heard them talk Benny Snell up. Benny Snell was really good against the Giants in the fourth quarter. James Conner got injured. It's same old James Conner. And then last week, we see James Conner dominate the touches, fall into the end zone, have kind of a garbage 50-yard run to end the game, which helped him propel himself in half-point PPR leagues from a 15 to 20-point fantasy game. But against Houston, a team that, I mean, I gotta, I gotta, I'm not a big Bill O'Brien fan by any means, but they had to open up against at the Kansas City Chiefs, and then they had to play the Baltimore Ravens, and now they have to go to Pittsburgh. This is a terrible, terrible stretch of the season for Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans. But I look at this Houston D, and I look at what the Baltimore Ravens just did to them, and I know Baltimore is Baltimore, and they love to run the football, but Pittsburgh also loves to run the football as well. So I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to have a good game. I think James Conner is going to have a good game. I think Houston's defense is going to suck against Pittsburgh's offense, and I think Pittsburgh's defense, which coming into the season, you would rank number one. I think they've shown that they have some susceptibilities. Jeff Driscoll kind of lit them up last week a little bit, which was kind of funny to see. So I think Deshaun Watson might be able to do some things to kind of drive the score up a little bit, I guess you could say. But I'm going with James Conner in my top 10, which I don't feel like everybody has around the fantasy community. I think he's in for another good game at home against a defensive line that you can run on. Nine, I have Chris Carson versus the Dallas Cowboys. 
can Aaron Jones at New Orleans? Aaron Jones lit it up last week, and he keeps just keeps scoring touchdowns a lot of people in the fantasy community including myself thought his touchdowns would come down from last year because positive regression usually kind of happens you kind of return to the mean and he had an outlandish year last year but I mean if he continues it's early in the season with what he's been doing as this Green Bay lead running back getting these goal line touches he has two touchdowns in the red zone by itself has three touchdowns on the year one of them was plus 40 yards She's being very effective. So Aaron Jones, obviously, if you have him, you're starting him. I'm rolling with Kenyon Drake at 11. I know he's let a lot of a lot of fantasy owners down so far this season, and that sucks. I get that, but he's still averaging 17 rushing attempts a game. He has some usage in the passing game as well. I think Kyler Murray's ability to run the football hasn't helped him, but I'm still going to start Kenyon Drake against Detroit, a team that is falling apart. Matt Patricia doesn't seem like he's long to be a head coach in the National Football League, so I'm definitely going to fire him up. Josh Jacobs at New England comes in at 12, but this is definitely a situation to monitor right now because he did not practice on Thursday, and that's an issue, especially in a matchup where he has to go to New England. And I know New England just got lit up, but it was by Russell Wilson. And Derek Carr is not Russell Wilson. So you have to monitor Josh Jacobs. This could be the Jalen Rashard, Devontae Booker show. And if it is, I am not starting either of those two players. So please pay attention to Josh Jacobs. And if he doesn't practice tomorrow, I'm moving him down this list. And it doesn't, won't look good for his availability. I mean, I know he was being stretched out in the primetime game a little bit on the sidelines. So maybe it has something to do with the hit pointer that it looked like he was dealing with. Even though he came back in the game a little bit after that. Then we have Nick Chubb at 13, Clyde Edwards-Alaire at Baltimore. Nick Chubb is against Washington at 14. And then 15 is Joe Mixon at Philadelphia. I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going up against Baltimore. Has to travel there. Did not have the best of games last week. But I'm not going to bench Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Still going to be at least a running back too, according to my rankings. Hopefully he has a bigger stranglehold on the the snap counts. Because I know they used... Daryl Williams, they used Darwin Thompson a little bit, but it's still, it's the CEH show, and it's going to be. As for Joe Mixon at Philadelphia, it's a tough matchup against Philly. You hope that he's going to be used in the receiving game a little bit more. I think he's still, he's running hard just like he was at the end of the season, but he only has five targets on this year. Giovanni Bernard is not going anywhere. I feel you look at your roster when you evaluate Mixon. And there's some risk carried in with starting Mixon on the road since he hasn't necessarily blown up yet. And I would look and entertain, depending on the construction of your roster, how safe your roster is if you feel comfortable with your current matchup. Because I think someone like Josh Kelly has more upside than Joe Mixon. And honestly, I look at Josh Kelly, who, when the article is being released on Big Blue View, I have him at 22, but I, I'm honestly thinking he's more of a 17 around that that kind of range for me, I probably have him a little underranked in the article that's coming out. Josh Kelly gets the Carolina Panthers, and the Carolina Panthers have significantly struggled to stop the run. They did against Josh Jacobs in week one. They did last week as well. So I, I'm fine with moving Kelly up to around where Joe Mixon is and possibly starting Kelly over Joe Mixon at home against a Chargers team who wants to travel across the country and they can't stop anything anyways on the ground. So that's kind of how I would handle that, like Joe Mixon. But if you have James Robinson, which this won't help you either, he's going up against Miami on Thursday night, 
and named Josh Kelly, somebody you might have picked up on free agent wire this week, I think I'd go Kelly over Mixon. That's definitely something I would have to entertain depending on how safe my roster is or what the matchup is. Because I, I feel like Kelly, who had over 20 carries last week and who's going to have Justin Herbert and not Tyrod Taylor as his starting quarterback, is, is a solid play this week. I really, really do. But then after those guys, I have Kareem Hunt, Todd Gurley, Kareem Hunt versus Washington, Todd Gurley versus the Chicago Bears, Melvin Gordon versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then David Montgomery at the Atlanta Falcons. David Montgomery, it looks like finally he's receiving the bulk of the carries and he's looking like the running back that they felt they drafted. He got hurt when B.J. Hill undercut him in that game against the Giants last week, landed on his neck awkwardly, but he came back in the game and he really grinded the clock out in the fourth quarter. Now he goes to Atlanta. I think that's going to be a high-scoring affair. Chicago's defense, it really depends on them. I know Khalil Mack was limited in practice on Thursday, but I believe that he's going to play. That's not good for the Atlanta Falcons, but it may be good for David Montgomery, especially if the Bears can get a lead on that high-powered offense. That should be an entertaining game. I don't know if the Bears will be able to do that. It could just be a back-and-forth affair. So that'd be the top 20. But after that, I got Mike Davis. Leonard, Mike Davis at the Chargers. Now, Mike Davis filled in for uh, Christian McCaffrey when he was hurt last week. And he received eight targets. And he also received, I believe it was six carries. It was somewhere around there. It, was, it wasn't too, met, too much. But he looks to be the lead running back for the Carolina Panthers. Now, Mike Davis has had his run before in the past. And this is a tough spot going on the road. So I don't usually love that kind of scenario. But if he's used like he was in the passing game, then you're going to love it. Eight targets is a lot. And I know Curtis Samuel is going to eat into this as well. And he received four carries. That was all before Christian McCaffrey got hurt. So I think Curtis Samuel will also be mixed in to play this like hybrid running back wide receiver role for the Panthers. But Mike, Mike Davis still comes in my top 22. Then after him, I have Leonard Fournette at Denver, David Johnson at Pittsburgh. I just am not in love with David Johnson this week. I guess technically I still have him as a very, very low end running back too. But you're hoping he falls into the end zone because Pittsburgh stops the run. That's what they do. And you're hoping David Johnson gets on the field and gets some receptions. But Duke Johnson has ate into that a little bit, even though Duke Johnson has been dealing with an injury. So you have to monitor to see if Duke is going to play. After David Johnson, 25, I got Antonio Gibson at Cleveland. 26, Mark Ingram versus the Chiefs. I don't love Mark Ingram against the Chiefs. I mean, they're home. That's very good. I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be used. And if Mark Ingram, who rushed for that touchdown last week, that was great. But to me, he just looks like he's older. Just from the eye test. So I would tread lightly there. Hopefully you have somebody else that you could start. Then you have Devin Singletary against the Rams. Jarek McKinnon at the Giants. Zach Moss versus the Rams. Miles Gaskin at Jacksonville, which is a Thursday night game. J.K. Dobbins versus the Chiefs. And then DeAndre Swift at Arizona to kind of round out the rest of that list. But before we get into the wide receivers, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 
200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, wide receivers. We have DeAndre Hopkins, who made a seamless transition with the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of people in the fantasy community felt that his targets would go down. I thought his targets were going to go down. They'd maybe spread the ball out a little bit more, go to Christian Kirk in the slot. Defenses would really focus on DeAndre Hopkins, but it doesn't seem like through the first two weeks, at least, that's the case. DeAndre Hopkins is being targeted massively. He leads the league right now, 25 targets, and he caught 22 of them for 219 yards and a touchdown. And that touchdown came last week against the Washington football team who forgot to cover DeAndre Hopkins. It literally looked like they were in some sort of zone coverage and it was like poor artificial intelligence in Madden trying to cover DeAndre Hopkins. And he just like snuck behind him and nobody got depth at all in their drops. It was pathetic, absolutely pathetic, but good for DeHop. And he's an absolute stud and he's in a smash matchup against the Detroit Lions who should have Jeffrey Okuda back in this matchup. They should, and that's obviously a positive for the Lions, but they're a crap show. Last time the Lions traveled to Arizona was week one of last year when the Lions were up significantly, and Matt Patricia blew it out of his backside, and Cliff Kingsbury got a tie in the first game of him coaching in the National Football League. So, DeAndre Hopkins it is. Number two. Calvin Ridley versus Chicago. Like I said before, Matt Ryan in this offense is going to have to throw because this defense of the Falcons is terrible and Ridley has just dominated so far this season. He has four touchdowns on the season. Now I expect that to come down, but he has 21 targets. He has 16 catches. He has 239 yards. And in the red zone, he already has 10 targets. He has six in the end zone. He's being targeted heavily around that area of the field. Probably a combination, though, of defenses really focusing on Julio Jones, too. But Calvin Ridley does have a knack to find the red zone, so you still have to monitor Julio. Is he going to practice tomorrow on Friday? I'm not sure. Especially if Julio does not play, Russell Gage, who is not in this rankings, you got to slide him in to a top 20 wide receiver. There's no Julio Jones. Because Russell Gage, going up in the slot against this team, I think there's a lot to uh, like about going up against the Bears in the slot. I know they have Buster Screen, who's a solid slot defender, but Russell Gage and Matt Ryan and what they have going on right now, it's uh, it's real. 
it's definitely not something to be slept on. So I have Calvin Ridley as my second receiver. Then number three, it's definitely something to monitor because he did not practice, Devontae Adams at New Orleans. So if Adams is fine, then I love him in this matchup, in this Coors Field of fantasy points that we know as the New Orleans Saints Superdome. There's just tons of fantasy points on that turf because a lot of affairs are high scoring. But the New Orleans defense is pretty good. But I think Devontae Adams is matchup proof, but it all depends on that health. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, I'm going to definitely slide him down. So that it's definitely something to monitor. But number four, Allen Robinson at Atlanta. He was just shut down by James Bradbury. I don't expect that to happen with A.J. Terrell. I don't expect that to happen with the Atlanta Falcons. So I really like a bounce back game from Allen Robinson. He comes in my top five. And then at five, I have Chris Godwin at Denver. And I love Chris Godwin this week. He missed last week because of a concussion. It wasn't a soft tissue injury. It wasn't something that's going to be lingering. And he should be going up against Isang Basse. He was a rookie from Wake Forest who's currently manning the slot for the Denver Broncos. I, I like Chris Godwin this week. I think he's in a good matchup, and you're going to be starting him no matter what anyways. After him, I have Tyreek Hill at Baltimore, and then Mike Evans at Denver, who I also love, Adam Thielen versus Tennessee, and then Julio Jones versus Chicago. That's if Julio even ends up playing. I think you're starting all of these people no matter what. And then at 10, I have Amari Cooper at Seattle. 11, Juju Smith-Schuster versus Houston, and then 12, DK Metcalf versus Dallas, and 13, Tyler Lockett versus Dallas. Both of those guys, and Amari Cooper, and really any wide receiver in that Dallas-Seattle game where there's not a lot of defense for either of those teams so far in the season, I really like. I mean, Amari Cooper has 22 targets on this season, 16 catches. He doesn't has not found the end zone yet, but he's being targeted deep. He has an A dot of over 10, and he's... Somebody who goes off in specific matchups, especially when he's not being covered by a dominant corner, and the Seattle Seahawks don't really have a dominant corner. As for the other receivers, DK Metcalf, who I expect the Cowboys to really focus on on the outside, and Tyler Lockett, who I really love in this matchup too because he gets Jordan Lewis in the slot, and Lewis has kind of struggled so far this season, and I really just believe in the efficiency, the effectiveness, and the ability to kind of win 50-50 balls, to win with speed, to win with nuance that Tyler Lockett has as a receiver. He's one of the better receivers in the National Football League, so I think you're firing up Metcalf and Lockett and loving every second of it. And then at 14, I have Kenny Galladay at Arizona, who was limited this week, and all signs are pointing to him making his 2020 season debut against the Arizona Cardinals. I know they had Patrick Peterson. Did not matter for Terry McLaurin, who's more of a slot guy, but Terry will line up outside as well. And there were definitely some reps that Terry burned Patrick Peterson. And I think Kenny Galladay, being the deep threat that he is, I think he is somebody who can be in for a pretty good fantasy game in his first start. Like Matthew Stafford, I have as a top 12 quarterback. I think he's going to have a bounce back week relative to what he's done in the first two weeks. I think it's going to be a very high scoring affair. So does Vegas. I think Kenny Galladay, who's just a prime deep threat in an offense that I feel like with Daryl Bevel, and Matt Stafford want to stretch the field, but they haven't really necessarily had the chance to. But I think Galladay is going to allow Matt Stafford to open it up a little bit more, which should help the rushing attack and should help that offense as a whole. But after Kenny Galladay, I have Terry McLaurin at Cleveland, Marquise Brown versus the Chiefs, DJ Moore at the Los Angeles Chargers, and then Julian Edelman versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I think all these players are playable. 
I do. And obviously, they should be because they're top 24 players. And that usually, if you're a top 24 player, you should theoretically be started in most leagues. And Julian Edelman, we saw Cam Newton actually throw because he didn't really have to in week one. And he had the most yardage he's ever had in his NFL career. Is that going to happen all the time? No. Is Vegas going to be able to slow down Julian Edelman in the slot? I don't necessarily think so. I don't. I think someone like Julian Edelman, who has is a consummate professional and who has been around for a very long time, will be able to operate the middle of the field and the quick game of Cam Newton, something that Cam Newton can do, even though Cam Newton hasn't done that exclusively throughout his career. I also like Nikhil Harry as well. Both Edelman and Harry have 17 targets on the year. It's the offense outside of the rushing attack in the red zone and them trying to establish a run, the passing attack, goes through Harry and Edelman. Those are the two main guys. And Harry can be found a lot on the free agent wire. So if he's there, and I know he doesn't look all that explosive, but he's getting targeted. He's a big body. He has really strong hands. He's going to be targeted in the red zone. He already has been four times this season. I would pick Harry up. Now, I don't have him. Well, I have him at 25, so I guess we'll get to him in a little bit. But he's definitely somebody to pick up. And in these game scripts where the Patriots are going to have to throw, Edelman and Harry should both feast because there is no more Gronk. There is no more of that. So I really like that. And then after Edelman, I have Odell Beckham Jr. versus Washington, Keenan Allen versus the Panthers, Cooper Cup at Buffalo, Deontay Johnson versus Houston, and then I had DJ Chark versus Miami, but he has been ruled out. So we're going to get rid of DJ Chark. Now for these guys... Odell is on a team that wants to run the football. Washington has a pretty stout front. They also have a really good pass rush. But can Dwayne Haskins hang into this game long enough? I know they're seven-point dogs right now on the road, which is a pretty big line because the Browns aren't all that great. And I know they get an extended week with Thursday night football, but they're still not that great of a team. But can Washington hold on enough to prevent the Browns from just basically running the ball down Washington's throat in the fourth quarter with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And that's kind of the question when it comes to Odell. He's a top he's a t- top 24 receiver for me, but I have him a little bit lower than some people may view him in a matchup against a Washington team that doesn't necessarily have the best cornerbacks. Keenan Allen versus the Panthers, I like a lot more with Justin Herbert than I did with Tyrod Taylor and Cooper Cup at Buffalo. He had over 100 yards last week. I believe he had a fumble, though. Hasn't found Pater, and that's kind of Cup's go-to is his ability to score touchdowns. But now with Tyler Higby, who is Higbeast, he's just gigantic. He's like a gronk out there with his size and his ability to command coverage. And, you know, the Eagles kind of forgot to do that. The red zone work is going to him. And Higby had three touchdowns last week, all red zone touchdowns. It's not like he's breaking off 40-yard runs, you know? That used to be Cup's game. So I have my reservations about Cup, but he's going up against Buffalo. Buffalo is a team right now that has a ton of injuries in the middle of the field with Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano and a lot of their linebackers. So I feel Cup going into this matchup can possibly win against someone like Teron Johnson, who should be manning the slot. You look at Jameson Crowder in week one. He was peppered with targets. He had a ton of receptions. And yes, he ended up having a great fantasy day because of that busted play along the sidelines. But Buffalo can be had in the slot. So I look at Cooper Cup and I think that you can start him. Yes, he's 21 for me. 22, Deontay Johnson, all he does is get targets. All Deontay Johnson does is get targets right now. And he's playing 
that role of Antonio Brown. And it's weird because Antonio Brown was Antonio Brown, but Deontay Johnson has 21 targets on the year, 14 receptions, and he has that one touchdown. Ben Roethlisberger is looking for him, and Juju Smith-Schuster is dealing with some sort of knee issue. He will play, but there's a reason why Deontay Johnson is being targeted in the deep parts of the field, the intermediate, and the short. He has that role right now. He's not as good as Antonio Brown, but he has the role of Antonio Brown. So he's definitely somebody that I feel like you can start that, you know, early in the year, you looked at someone like Deontay Johnson and you were like, ah, oh, this is gross. Ew. No, it's not whatsoever. When you when you receive that much work, when you receive double-digit targets in each game, it's going to be good for you. So, I mean, definitely Deontay Johnson against Houston. And then, since DJ Chark's not playing, 24, I have Robert Woods at Buffalo. He's just going to be implemented into the game plan. He always is. I think it's a tough matchup. He's probably going to see a lot of Tredavious White, who's one of the better cornerbacks in the league. But... It's hard to get away from someone like Robert Woods. I have him in several leagues, and I think I might end up starting him. I don't love it because I could see Jared Goff going from Los Angeles to Buffalo, a hard place to play no matter what anyways, even without the fans there in the Ralph. For a 1 o'clock start, their, t- their internal clocks are all screwed up because they're on you know West Coast time, and it being a really slow start to begin with with Jared Goff, who I'm really trying to stay away from if you paid attention to my rankings for quarterbacks. So that could affect Robert Woods, but I, I'm trying to... Look at how Sean McVay utilizes him around the field and in creative fashions and in the rushing attack that I think that he'll have his opportunity, even though the matchup is not ideal. 25, Nikhil Harry against the Raiders. Already talked about that. 26, Deshaun Jackson against Cincinnati. I alluded to that when I went over Carson Wentz. I do feel like Deshaun Jackson is going to find pay dirt this week. He's getting a lot of targets, 8 and 9 in two games. And he's a touchdown threat. He's a deep threat, and he's going up against a Cincinnati defense that's not that great. So I love Deshaun Jackson as well as a wide receiver three. Tyler Boyd as a wide receiver three against Philadelphia. Again, the middle of the field. <laughs> Philly's linebackers are not good whatsoever in the middle of the field. So when they play zone coverage, Jim Schwartz scheme, there could be some liabilities there. And then 28, I have T.Y. Hilton against the Jets. 29, C.D. Lamb at Seattle. 30, Darius Slayton versus the 49ers. 31, Devontae Parker at Jacksonville. 32, Michael Gallup at Seattle. And when it comes to Lamb and Gallup, you don't know which one it's going to be, and that's why they're down this much lower. But if you did know, they would be much higher because there's going to be a lot of points scored in that affair. A lot of points. Well, let's move on to tight ends. So, Easy enough, Travis Kelsey at Baltimore is number one. He's probably always going to be number one because he gets a huge portion of the target share from Pat Mahomes on a high-scoring offense, and he's Travis Kelsey. He's an absolute stud, so there's no more analysis there, really. Number two is Mark Andrews against the Chiefs in that same game. Now, the thing I don't love about Mark Andrews is he doesn't get that much targets, but that's also because the Ravens have been blowing out teams. Theoretically, the Chiefs could keep up with the Ravens, And I know the Ravens want to play ball control. They want to run the clock down. They want to run the football. They're a rushing attack team, but they build that off the play action where Mark Andrews thrives in the middle in the intermediate parts of the field. So I think that's going to be, I think the game script's going to help Mark Andrews get more targets because he's not even in the double-digit targets yet through the two games. I think that's going to kind of increase in primetime Monday Night Football. Number three, I have Darren Waller versus the New England Patriots. We all saw what happened on Monday Night Football when Darren Waller just dominated took over the game and really made the Saints pay. It, the Saints didn't have any answer for him. Malcolm Jenkins looked like an old man out there. They just couldn't do anything against Darren Waller. And I think that's something, that's a spot of the defense for 
the New England Patriots that you can take advantage of because they've lost so many players to opting out or to free agency this past year. So I really like Darren Waller in this matchup. Number four, Hunter Henry against the Carolina Panthers. Number five, John Smith at Minnesota. Six, Tyler Higby at Buffalo. Seven, Zach Ertz versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Eight, Noah Font versus Tampa Bay. And the nine, Mike Gesicki at Jacksonville. So I think if you have any of these guys, you're going to end up starting them. The good thing about the tight ends is there are a lot of good tight ends that are just chilling on free agent wires right now. And people who drafted Evan Ingram have to look at guys like Drew Sample and Dalton Schultz. Who don't like Just the tight end in the Cowboys offense is so huge because Dak Prescott loves throwing to the tight end. But you have to look at somebody, these kind of players, and be like, do I start him over Evan Ingram? And I, I'm not sure if I'm there quite yet. But when it comes to Evan Ingram, there's a couple real big positives with him, right? So... Saquon Barkley's not there. That's loss of touch right there. That's loss of short passes right there. Sterling Shepard's not there. Same thing. More targets should be flooded towards someone like Saquon Barkley. I mean, I mean uh, Evan Ingram. It makes a lot of sense, obviously, but it hasn't worked out yet. And when you look at the last two games, he still was targeted a lot on short little button hooks, little things to the flat. He's been really uber-targeted in those areas of the game, and he just hasn't really prevailed. He has a couple really boneheaded drops. He had the slip against the Bears that led to the interception. That wasn't really Daniel Jones's fault. And San Francisco's a tough defense. I know they don't have Nick Bosa. I know they don't have Solomon Thomas, but they still have Jimmy Ward. They still have Fred Warner. So you get entertained benching Evan Ingram, but the offensive game plan is going to run through him. And I don't know if the... 49ers are going to be able to take that lead to just run the clock out. They're still going to run the football because they always do, but you want the Giants to have a little bit more time of possession because they've lost time of possession battles two games in a row now. And if they can have more time of possession and they can establish something, maybe it will open up more opportunity for Evan Ingram, even though he's already getting great opportunity. He's just not capitalizing on it. You just need more red zone work. So I'm not willing to cut bait with Evan Ingram yet, but he's a frustrating player to own as of right now fantasy football number 11 logan thomas at the cleveland browns 12 jared cook versus the green bay packers 13 hayden hurst versus chicago 14 drew sample at philly and 15 dalton schultz at seattle schultz had double digit targets that would be blake jarwin who was set for a smash year this year but he ended up getting injured got hurt unfortunate devastating but now dalton schultz slides into that role and that role is very very important in the dallas cowboys offense being the pass-catching tight end in the middle of the field. Even though they have three weapons in C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and obviously Amari Cooper, they still throw to the tight end. Dak Prescott has proven that. And I know they were in catch-up mode last week, so that's another reason why. Same with Drew Sample. Once C.J. Uzama went down, they were in catch-up mode, so he got targeted a lot. But these guys are still going to be part of this game plan. I know they're not sexy as of right now, but they're going to be players that you're going to hear about throughout this fantasy season. As for Hayden Hurst, you got to bump him up if Julio Jones does not play, so he's definitely a playable option. Jared Cook, you're, he's kind of touchdown dependent. I think that the Saints need to kind of try to use him in the middle of the field because teams are going to be really keying in on Alvin Kamara in the short game. If you use Jared Cook in the intermediate game, you may be able to have a little bit of success. Logan Thomas did not come through for you last week. It wasn't because of opportunity. It was because Dwayne Haskins is his quarterback, and he's absolutely terrible as of right now. He just doesn't really look that great. But Logan Thomas at Cleveland is a good matchup. And Cleveland has Denzel Ward, who's probably going to shadow Terry McLaurin, or at least be on him a lot of the time. 
because Terry McLaurin's an absolute stud. And without McLaurin, you have Steven Sims and you have Logan Thomas. And Logan Thomas op- operates in the middle of the field. He's a best friend to a quarterback. And again, last week he was. It's just Haskins couldn't complete the passes because he's Dwayne Haskins. Then at 16, after Dalton Schultz, I have Dallas Goddard versus the Cincinnati Bengals. TJ Hawkinson at the Arizona Cardinals. Mo Alley Cox versus the New York Jets. That's if Jack Doyle does not play. And uh, obviously, George Kittle is not in this because George Kittle is up in the air to play right now. I wouldn't play George Kittle if he plays in the game. The San Francisco 49ers do not like MetLife Stadium's turf. They've come out and they've asked for an investigation on it because of all the injuries they suffered. I do not see Kyle Shanahan playing George Kittle a significant amount of snaps while he's getting over an injury on turf that he believes to be dangerous. That doesn't really make sense. So I do not have George Kittle in these rankings. 19, Chris Herndon at Indianapolis. And I wish Adam Gase kind of knew how to use Chris Herndon because Chris Herndon is their best weapon right now because Jameson Crowder is hurt. Brashad Perriman is dealing with an injury. And their wide receivers are Braxton Berrios and Chris Hogan. Now they got Chris Herndon, and they don't really utilize him all that much. They tried a deep pass with him. Uh, when when he was split out wide, I think he had six targets in the game. But Adam Gase is not designing plays specifically for his success in the short to intermediate game, and just kind of getting the ball in his hands. He's just not doing it enough, given the skill set of someone like Chris Herndon. So uh, you know they're going to be passing. At least you, you, we would imagine. We think the Colts are going to take a lead, but then it's also going to be a gross game where Jonathan Taylor is just going to get a crap load of work, grind the clock out, and it's just it's not a great. Affair. Then at 20, I have Jimmy Graham at Atlanta. I really do not want to start anybody past TJ Hawkinson. Maybe Mo Alley Cox. You hope he gets into the end zone because he's just a gigantic man, but I really don't want to start any of these other tight ends. But before we exit this, I wanted to bring up five streaming defenses and five streaming kickers. Now, my defense, there, there's a couple different defensive philosophies that you can kind of go for. So obviously against really bad offenses, you want those defenses because points will not be scored, but you also want to look at the game script because if an offense of a defensive team takes a lead, that's going to force the offense of the team that you are playing against to throw the football. And when you throw the football, a lot of things can go wrong. You can get interceptions, return for touchdowns, which would be worth eight points. You can get interceptions, which are two. You can get strip sack fumbles, which would be three points. And you can get sacks, which are worth one points. So I think that's another way to look at this. And the Colts are, are a good way to kind of evaluate what I'm talking about because they're going up against the Jets. They're at home. So you have a team traveling to their home, a mediocre team, a terrible offense. An offense is going to have to throw the football because the Colts should theoretically take that lead, like I talked about, when they're just going to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor and kind of grind the game out. It's going to force Sam Darnold, a bad offensive line, a beat-up offensive line where their center is hurt. You want to pay attention to those injuries as well. With no real weapons, yet Sam Darnold has to try to make something of that with a coach who can't maximize what he has, even though there's not a lot right now due to all the injuries. So Sam Darnold's going to be put into some really bad situations. And the Colts, who are my number one on the streaming defense should eat and should feast against this Jets offense on the road. I also like typically, I don't always do this, but I'd like to typically roster home defenses. Now, the next one, the Buccaneers at Denver, I do not. You have Jeff Driscoll. That's a backup quarterback. You just lost your star receiver. The defense on the other team is really, really beat up, meaning the Buccaneers can take a lead and then lead to more passing attempts from a rookie quarterback that you could sack or intercept or bring back for a touchdown. That's more opportunity for your defense. So the Buccaneers would be two. Three, Chargers versus Carolina. Carolina just lost Christian McCaffrey. That was basically their entire offense. 
Chargers have a really good pass rush, and they're going to try to run the ball, the Char- or the, the Panthers, but I don't know how much success they have. And you have an East Coast team traveling to the West Coast. Now, as for a 4 o'clock start, so it's not at the same as the West traveling to the East, but that's still a lot of miles spent on a pressurized cabin that's floating in the sky. Four, you have the Cardinals versus Detroit. It's going to be a high-scoring affair, okay? So this one, you have to kind of, and this one also kind of revolves around how healthy Kenny Galladay will be. I just think Detroit isn't that great of a team, but I do think they're going to push the ball vertically. I do think that they will be points put on the board, but you're kind of hoping for the Cardinals to be opportunistic, have someone like Chandler Jones get after Matt Stafford. Maybe you get a strip sack, maybe force a couple picks. And then you have the Browns versus Washington. Uh, Again, I already kind of laid out how I feel about Dwayne Haskins and that Washington football team's offense. And the Browns, who want to run the football, who should take a lead at home, seven-point favorites, with Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, could be opportunity for some mistakes from Dwayne Haskins, some sack, and some strip fumbles. As for kickers, I look for either high-scoring affairs or blowouts. So my first kicker, who should be available for a streaming kicker, Rodrigo Blankenship versus the Jets. The Colts should beat up on the Jets and be in position to score a lot of points. Now, not just points, I also look at the Colts' offense itself. You have Phillip Rivers, who's obviously washed. T.Y. Hilton, who doesn't look all that great. I know he dropped the touchdown pass last week, but he still doesn't look like the T.Y. Hilton that we all used to love. This Colts' offense is probably going to get into the red zone a lot, but... They're a rushing team. I'm not 100% sure, even though the Jets are solid against the run. I still think they're going to be a liability, and we saw that last week with Raheem Mostert. But I think Phillip Rivers can lead them into the red zone and then not finish. The Jets clamp down, bend, don't break, leading to field goal attempts. And that's one big reason why I love Rodrigo Blankenship, even though that this uh, game script according to Vegas when it comes to the over-under isn't great. But my number two is Zane Gonzalez, and that's going to be a really high-scoring affair. Versus Detroit at home, love that. Young Hoku comes in at three. Versus Chicago, number four, Michael Badgley versus Carolina. And the number five, Jake Elliott versus Cincinnati. Carson Wentz looks really bad, but I still feel like Cincinnati's defense, especially if Geno Atkins does not play, is bad enough to where Wentz is going to figure out ways to move the football and at least get into field goal range so Jake Elliott can get some points. Alrighty, guys, I hope you enjoyed this show. Please rate, subscribe, review this show on any of our podcasting platforms and have a lovely day enjoy football sunday and best of luck to all of your fantasy football teams take care everybody